Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices in a very casual and informal way. This is not a webinar or lecture, rather our goal is to talk about key topics and challenges in a very informal way and share best practices. I'm your host Naveen Agarwal and I'm the principal and founder at Achieve where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. My guest in this episode is James Catmer. He has many years of industry experience in many different sectors doing safety risk management. We are talking about fundamental concepts such as hazards and hazardous situations that tend to cause a lot of confusion in real world practice. In this discussion, James is talking about whether we should consider hazards as events or states. There are two different types of hazards and the duration of exposure matters. So this is a fascinating concept and we are exploring this in a very lively conversation in this discussion. Now we had this conversation as part of our weekly live discussions on LinkedIn. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome everybody. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm so excited to connect with you again in the new year. And good to see a lot of familiar faces in the audience today and many new people joining us today. So, welcome to all of you. I hope we have a great session today. Uh, but most importantly, I want you to participate. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about 15 minutes or so with uh, my guest today, James Katmer. Uh, but after that, you know, the session is open and we want more dialogue, more conversation. And that's how these sessions go. So with that, guys, I'm so excited to welcome James Katmer today. And we're going to talk about a topic which is so dear to my heart, partly because I'm personally quite confused about this topic, even after years of sort of learning and reading and, and experimenting and talking to people. The topic of hazard and hazardous situation brings me still a lot of heartache and confusion. And I look at it this way. If I'm feeling this way, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are maybe also feeling this way. But maybe there are also a lot of people who have understood it at a deeper level and maybe they can share those insights with us. And I think James is uh, one of those people, I think, who is coming from a different sector, not necessarily medical sector, but he has experience in many different industries and he has practiced safety risk management for many, many years. And when James and I talked recently about this topic, he mentioned something that was very, very interesting to me about hazard. So I want to talk about that today. But again, guys, the floor is going to be open in about 15 minutes and we would love to have a great chat about this. So with that, James, I'm so excited to welcome you. Please, uh, please feel welcomed and introduce yourself to our audience today. Good morning, everyone. Sorry, it's good afternoon in the UK and good morning in the US. Uh, thank you, Naveen. Thank you very much for having me on this and Happy New Year to everyone. A uh, little bit about myself, James Katmer. I've worked, as Naveen said, in many, many sectors doing risk assessment for 35 years. A um, little bit of medical, which we can come back to, but I've done chemical, petrochemical, offshore, oil and gas, rail, highways, etc. And doing risk assessment, risk work in all those sectors. And it's been very interesting to me. And what we're going to talk about today is something that 
was kind of there, but I never really quite managed to verbalize what we were doing until some recent work that I was doing on highways. Awesome. Um, awesome. So, you know, like, like I mentioned today, we want to talk about really understanding the term hazard at a slightly deeper level. And I know we have defined this in our standards, for example, as a potential source of harm. For a long time, I've struggled with that because that definition is not wrong, but it is not sufficient for me to really understand what a hazard is. So, James, uh, let's start from there. Uh, and of course, in our industry, as you know, we also use the term hazardous situation. And sometimes there's a lot of confusion about what's a hazard, what's a hazardous situation, how is it connected to risk, and it's all a mess, in my mind at least. So I'm actually admitting my own ignorance, uh, hoping that uh, we'll have a good discussion and we'll learn from each other. So James, if you could start just by sharing with us uh, what is your perspective on the term hazard itself? Okay, so the work I've been doing on highways for now the far last almost 20 years, we about 20 years ago said there are two types of hazards. So we're immediately creating two classes there. One we called a state. Hmm. That is a hazard the severity of which depends upon its duration. So if it's there for a very short time, the severity, potential severity is lower. Mm -hmm. If it's there for a long time, the severity is higher. Now you can say those are related and maybe it's not severity, maybe it's probability of a severity. Mm -hmm. But we said there are states. We want to be very clear how long the state lasts for. And then we said there are events, they are short duration hazards, and we've been debating fairly recently what we mean by that, uh, but a short duration hazard, and the severity depends therefore on the frequency of it really, mm -hmm. and has nothing to do with its duration. So we And we separated those out in our minds about 18 years ago. We've recently been re-back round that loop. We have on highways about 120 hazards we like to use. Mm -hmm. And we actually went back around it and said, you know, a lot of the ones we've had as events aren't their states. And we changed them, and that has changed our risk perspective on highways. Mm -hmm. Because how you define them, a state or event, affects how you analyze them, and it affects your view of the risk, was what we believe. You know I that. then went Go ahead, through all my previous work in other sectors and said, oh, you know what, we've always had states and events, but only the gas the the chemical sector said if it's a state then the dose is what you use to assess the risk mm -hmm. and if it's an event the uh, kind of the the direct impact is what you use so the simple example would be an over an explosion it's the overpressure mm -hmm. but a chemical release it's how long that release is for if you release chlorine for 30 minutes the severity will be very different from releasing it for 10 seconds Interesting, you know, got this reminds me of my early days as a young engineer. I worked in a petrochemical plant and, uh, you know, we have dangerous chemicals flowing in, you know, sub-zero temperatures, high pressures through pipelines and they're stored. I can totally understand where you're coming from. Now, in, in terms of medical device industry, one of the things that I think we struggle with is delay in treatment. Well, how long? And what is the impact of that? So I think what you are saying makes sense to me 
in considering these uh, the hazards or hazardous situations in the context of the time. So, James, can you give an example which might be more relevant for our audience from a medical device point of view, where this might be relevant? One of I've, I've done work on medical devices, not much, but a little bit. And the one I worked on was to do with the dosing of muscle relaxant during surgery. And it was about, I mean, the big hazard we had is what an awareness event where the patient ceases to be sedated, but because of the muscle relaxant, they cannot react. So the the team of surgeons don't know that they are not sedated. Yeah. And we, so we did work on that, and I'm not going to go into the details. Many years ago, it was before the standards you're mentioning, Naveen, so we had to kind of invent what we're doing, but we knew that the duration of the awareness event affected the severity of the awareness event. You're meaning like how long how long they were in a state of uh, uh, like potentially unresponsive state because they just could not respond. Is that what you mean? Yeah, they, they are in essence, they are not sedated, but they cannot tell anyone they're awake, so as to speak. So they are feeling all the pain, but they have, because of the muscle relaxant, they cannot respond and make people aware. And you know, this is a very important point because... Uh, generally, in that setting, people ask you on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your pain? Because everyone is different, and if no, if they cannot respond and tell you what state they are in, you don't know exactly how to respond to that situation. So, no, this is very fascinating, guys. I would love to have a lot of conversation on this. So, I think I'm going to start inviting uh, audience members here, guys. You know how it goes. Please raise your hand virtually and I will bring you on stage with a conversation with us. We are not seeking solutions here. We are seeking uh, a conversation to explore this topic and develop a better understanding. So it could be a comment, it could be a question, it could be something from your experience. If you have come across this dilemma as you do risk analysis, I would love to hear that from you. So I do have a few folks uh, requesting to join, so let me bring them on. Uh, Ravi Kant, you are first. Please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Oh, okay. oh yeah, I can hear you now, sir. I was speaking to myself on mute, sorry. <laughs> no problem, it happens. Go ahead, please. Welcome. Well, thanks Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so the concept of this delay, I think uh, we we, use, we had this issue. We, we kind of, you know, thought about this. And it varies from product to product and how it is used on uh, for example, uh, say if you are treating a cancer using oncology machines, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, the medical FYS uh, uh, knows very much uh, to what patient, how much we can delay the treatment. You know, it depends upon the severity of the cancer and and uh, and and how long it can be delayed. It could be up to few few days to few weeks. So. Mm-hmm. so I, I would probably think of in this way, whenever we are thinking about delay to treatment, I think we should have something like a delay and a denial. Uh, making that difference when you uh, assess a risk. So maybe delay is probably insignificant. Maybe something like denial of treatment is something where a safety engineer should focus on and see uh, what would be the risk if we, you know, denial is something where I would Mm-hmm. that as significant than delaying. So sometimes delay could be fixed by remote fixes. 
Yeah. Or it could be as good as like, for example, most of the UK centers, they only do five days a week. Mm-hmm. It's not like in Asia, they do 24 by seven or six days. Mm-hmm. So for treating a patient, if Saturday, Sunday is treated as off, you know, two days, if machine is not working for two days, it's as good as it's probably in the weekend, two days. Yeah. Maybe, you know, uh, come up with a value by talking to your uh, medical advice, yeah. clinical expert, and understand uh, what exactly is delay and what exactly is denial. That's awesome, so Ravikant. Thank you for sharing this. I think what, what I'm hearing you say is that this awareness of the potential consequences that could be related to this factor of time is important. And we must acknowledge that in our assessment. So thank you for sharing that. Amit, I'm going to invite you now to uh, unmute your mic and please share what you have in mind. Yeah, how are you? Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I just wanted to bring up the point about, uh, I guess, uh, severity levels and hazard analysis. So, you know, just in, you know, in my experience, you know, uh, regardless of a mitigation, um, you know, after you apply design controls in whatever sense it may be, uh, usually the severity level does does not uh, does not change, right? Uh, in terms of the harm, so I guess um, th- does anyone have any experience where that uh, that harm would be uh, you know mitigated as well? So so one example what I, that, I, that I can bring up is um, you know burns. So there's third degree burns, second degree burns, uh, et cetera, right? So based on your design controls, you can actually mitigate the severity of the burn, right? But, you know, that's just one exception, I would say. Is there anything else that kind of comes to mind from anyone else's experience? Oh, that's interesting because I think there might be a link to the duration of exposure as well. So, James, I'm going to invite uh, some thoughts on you, uh, some, you know, whatever comes to mind. But I think there might be a link here to potential severity. Yeah, uh, Naveen, uh, thank you. That I mean, it does, I think it links to potential, to potential severity quite what the link is we may not know right but what we're trying to do is say well at least write down the time you've assumed the duration you've assumed in that state so that you can explain why you've chosen the severity you've chosen if there is a relationship with duration the what the one that intrigued me recently was i was looking at electrocution and the duration of electrocution and the current does affect the severity. And there's some interesting mapping been done of that by international standards, actually, mm-hmm. that tell you certain current flows and certain durations, this is the likely severity. So you need to, I, I think the key thing is is write it down so you're at least thinking of it. Yeah. And the way I, guys, I will share how I have uh, handled this in my practice is to distinctly identify each hazardous situation with sufficient detail because you know different exposures different levels different uh, conditions could affect could be classified as different or explained as different hazardous situations and each hazardous situation then corresponds to a specific risk of a specific severity so you could uh, think of it that way there are more than one ways of doing this but guys this is the magic of our conversation right the magic of our conversation is your participation so Ravi, Amit, thanks for joining us. And I want to invite more of you. We still have more than 15 minutes. And I would love to have active participation from you. If you feel uncomfortable joining us on this virtual stage, please use the comment section on the event page to share your comments and feedback. But 
the more we talk with each other in this discussion, the better it will be. So James, while we are waiting, uh, let's let's touch upon a, another example from another sector. We, we already talked about uh, chemical plants. We talked about medical devices, uh, particularly on highway or rail. Is that something you can share with us where this duration or time could be a factor? The, the classic we use is um, if you stop beside the highway on in the US, in the UK, we call it the hard shoulder. Mm -hmm. In the US, you call it the safety lane, I think. Beside the highway on the right on your highway. Yeah. And we, 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 there were two hazards we have there. There's the hazard of stop, well, actually there's three. There's the hazard of stopping, the hazard of being there, and the hazard of leaving. So we differentiate those three. The first one and the last one we say are events because your risk is really related to the, what happens, the hazard of le uh, because leaving the hard shoulder means you're moving out into moving traffic. Mm -hmm. So let's take that one. That has a hazard. The hazard of being there stopped, it's the duration that matters. If you stop there for five minutes, your risk is much lower than if you break down and stop there for an hour. Mm-hmm. So we relate the risk to the duration of the hazard. So it's a state hazard. And we actually have some fairly good data on the risk per minute, if you want to call it that, of being there. Mm -hmm. And we know that we, to assess that properly, need to understand the duration. And we are doing work to try and reduce that duration. Uh, best advice to anyone listening is never stop, never ever stop if your vehicle will move because you are far greater risk stopped there than keeping going hmm. and we try and we, we are trying to convince drivers in the, in England to never stop there ever mm -hmm. it's hard because people think it's a safe place it's not, it's, it's the riskiest place on the highway got you, very interesting Awesome. And, you know, so many things came to my mind as I listened to you. You know, we have so many accidents in the U.S. of pedestrians getting hit by traffic, uh, bikers on the road getting hit by traffic. So if you think about really your total exposure time to a hazardous situation, that's, that could be one way of looking at it. And just thinking out loud about that. How, does that make sense, James? Yeah, it does. And, and I think... The key thing I want to bring almost is is think about duration. Think when you think about a hazardous situation in the standard and say, I mean, our first question now is, is it a state or is it an event? The moment you say we think it's a state, think about duration. Mm -hmm. Just think about the duration and what impact that will have. Got you. And this is where I bring up the point again that, that I thought about first off delay in therapy or delay in treatment as being one of the most challenging situations in, in my practice that I have seen people struggle with. You know, how long a delay? And I've seen actually some warning letters and, and recall announcements from the FDA where they have, they have talked about delay, potential delay, even leading all the way up to death. So when you are doing risk analysis, how do you handle this delay in treatment becomes quite challenging. So, guys, again, I want to uh, I want to invite you 
to participate and share your thoughts or let me know how you're feeling through your uh, emoji icons. Again, two folks have uh, raised their hands. Wag and Srinivas, I'm going to bring you guys on stage with us. So, Wag, you are first. Please go ahead and share what you have in mind. Hi, everybody. Um, I wanted to share some other examples in healthcare um, where impacts or severity of a risk could be reduced through mitigations. And just to share, you know, randomly some examples on the security side, uh, one that I was experienced with one of my clients recently uh, had to do with the impacts to one single patient or user versus multi multi-patient harm. Um, so we were able to reduce the impact by putting a defense layer that limited to a single patient, whereas the original security threat started with multi-patient harm. Post-mitigation, it was reduced impact to a single patient. So that's one example on the security. Another, another example uh, related to uh, delay of therapy that we recently experienced through Cruz Clarkett was related to data mix-up where the patient was receiving the wrong device hmm. and, and then telemetry was mixing up their patient account with a different patient, right? So the patient was essentially being monitored with incorrect data, data that belonged to a different patient. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, was another example where we were able to reduce the impact because of the exposure time, the duration to receiving the wrong um, remote data, remote monitoring data. And that was uh, realized through a strong detection system that continually checked for consistency uh, based on device serial number and patient IDs. And so, because we were able to reduce the time, the duration of that risk, uh, we were able to, you know, re reduce the severity of the, of the mix-up. Exactly. So, those are two examples of, you well, know. I love uh, this. I love this. But, uh, and what brilliant, Wang. Go ahead. That's what you do when you've got a state hazard. You, if you can, you work on the duration, to, which is what you're talking about. I mean, uh, or the number of people, but you're talking about a state. And you're saying we cut the duration, and that's that's a great mitigation. It's the one we're yeah, looking exactly. to do a lot. What, yeah, what, exactly, I look at it like lottery. You know, winning the lottery is. Um, I mean, risk is both sides, right? It's not always negative. No. And and winning a lottery, your odds of winning uh, increases the more you play the lottery. Yeah. Uh, so of course. So what I love about this conversation, guys, is that awareness of this uh, factor will help inform our decisions about risk controls. We, we will not just give up. We will not say, hey, we cannot do anything about severity anymore. We will say, no, we can, by have a deeper understanding of the state hazard or event hazard. So this is great. Dr. Cohen, you are next. I would love to uh, have you share your thoughts. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you very much. Um, 51 years ago, I found myself a senior in medical school in New York Medical College, and uh, I had an aunt who died during my senior year, and I found out the reason she had died was because there was a recalled product that the hospital was not aware of. Well, the FDA wasn't aware of it either, and it seemed like there was a delay, obviously, from the manufacturer to the FDA. Well, eventually the FDA did have it, and the hospital still was not aware of it. So because of that, I started National Recall Alert Center, which at that time and still is 51 years later, 
501c3 nonprofit organization, federally approved by the United States government. Uh, my problem is that we um, decided to speed everything up by developing a portal for manufacturers worldwide, which we have and which manufacturers use. So we get that data in right away, 24 hours a day, and we do work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, but the only reason, and they have to send it to the FDA because the FDA has work to do. What they have to do is they have to assign a recall number and they have to assign a severity, class one, two, or three severity test to it. Uh, we don't have to do that. We get it out and then when we get that information in, we add it to their dashboard. My question and my concern is that, um, so we've developed a perfect system and we have lots of hospitals on it, but why wouldn't we have more hospitals? And one of the reasons is I have no idea. <laughs> In other words, we, we let hospitals know we have it. It's nonprofit. It costs very little. Uh, we're talking about less than the cost of a cup of coffee a day, honestly, at mm -hmm. Starbucks. Pretty expensive coffee, but still cheap. Uh, but we are at a loss to figure out. And here's what my very negative conclusion is. Hospitals speak this great line about how they care about patient safety and how it's number one and it's preeminent and everything. But you know what? they don't follow through. Um, and that really annoys me because while we, you would think we would have the majority of the 5,200 hospitals in the United States, and that's all there are in the United States, really, uh, we have a small fraction of those, yet they all know about us. Yeah. So I thought I'd present that as a problem to the uh, problem solver, uh, Dr. Agarwal, but I'm not sure it has no. anything. Well, so Dr. Cohen, first of all, thanks for sharing this and thanks for all your efforts. Uh, what I'm understanding here is that our healthcare system is pretty complex with a lot of players, a lot of stakeholders, and each one of them looks at risk differently. So I actually, you bring up a point, who is looking at the risk at the system level, at the overall healthcare system level, who is looking at it and who are the different players? So I love this conversation. Of course, you know, it's uh, quite, quite complex and quite big. We may not get to that, but there are things that we can keep at the back of our mind that, hey, uh, because one day we might show up as patients ourselves in these hospitals, right? Sure. And we are at the, we are basically relying on a system to work safely and effectively for us. However, and many players are involved, right? So I think uh, it's a very good point. We will definitely keep that in mind, Dr. Cohen, and uh, maybe in the future, I would love to learn more about uh, the recall alert center, and we can discuss that. I would love to have that conversation feel free. with him. Yeah, uh, certainly feel feel free to call me at any time and and or contact me any way you want. I can tell you that your observation is very on the mark because we noticed in looking. I mean, we do have over a thousand of the five thousand plus hospitals, but uh, we noticed the the marketing of it. Uh, you would think that just the risk managers would be interested, or the quality assurance people. Yeah, but we have at least. 30 different types of people who give their titles and they're not risk managers. Yes. Uh, it yes. be nursing stations. It could be housekeeping staff. I know that's surprises yes. everybody. Certainly surprises me. So I think you're right on the mark and I don't know how to get around that. Well, and I do think if we do get around, I'm still not sure they care. I well, just don't. We, 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 we will, we'll figure it out. Roger, okay. you are on. Please go ahead and share what you have in mind. So I was just wondering if James has read the uh, hazard analysis primer. You know, we talked about that here in the program maybe as early last year. Yeah. And I certainly like the mental framework it gave me, but it did talk about the difference between the hazard and the event. And of course, there was the 
duration or delay. I can't quite remember. I don't have the book in front of me. I just wonder if James has read that and if he has any any comments about that. James, just to just for your information, I think Roger is referring to the work of uh, Clifton Erickson. If you are aware of that, but uh, that's just you know one body of work in system safety engineering. Thank you, Roger. Um, good question. The honest answer is no. I've not read it. I need to just highlighted something I need to read because I am trying to sort in my own head as well. How do we deal with states and events, and how should we manage them? And we've done a lot of work on it in highways recently, but we haven't got an answer yet. Mm-hmm. So I, if someone's got the answer, yeah. I'd love to read it. Well, I think this is the reason why we talk to to people from different sectors in different industries, right? And when I became aware of uh, Ericsson's work, I was fascinated. I had not heard about that work. Uh, he's coming from the aviation space. And the way they treat hazard as an entity, as an as a distinct object, is very fascinating. It is different from two distinct objects we treat as hazards and hazardous situations in our medical device world. That world is different, and I think it has some advantages. So, James, I can share those references with you uh, after the okay. after this show, and also share with our colleagues here in the program notes. So, uh, guys, uh, again, this is a fascinating conversation. We could, of course, continue forever. Uh, but if anyone else has any other thoughts to share, please raise your hands. I never say no to anybody, even if it's at the very last moment. But I would like to now take some time and um, you know have uh, James think about a couple of points that that he can share as a takeaway points. But in the meantime, I wanna share with you some housekeeping announcements. The very first one, guys, is that next week, I'm gonna have a special session. That session is a listening session. Now, we have done this, these conversations over 40, 35 to 40 weeks throughout 2023. And many of you have attended week after week. So I wanna hear from you, what is working? What is not working? How can Let's Talk Risk continue to deliver value to you throughout 2024 and beyond? Because I love this. And the reason I love this is because you show up every week, which means you are getting some value out of it. So I want to continue delivering that value to you. We will have a great conversation. So it will be a fully dedicated 30 minutes of feedback and discussion. Okay? So bring your thoughts. Be honest. You will never hurt my feelings. Okay? I never get offended if you are honest with me. So I look forward to that conversation with all of you. I hope you will participate and help us make this better. Now, the second announcement I wanna make is um, to remind all of you that the recording of our past conversations, all of them, are now easily accessible on the Let's Talk Risk website. There is a link in the event notes and I also share that link every time I announce this event every week. Uh, You can access those recordings, listen to our past conversations because we have talked about a variety of topics. Uh, I'm sure you'll be fascinated by them and uh, we'll continue to participate in those conversations. And finally, those of you who are new, we do this every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. So put that on the calendar if you are interested in participating. With that, James, I want to invite you to share maybe just two or three key highlights, key points that we can take away and remember from this conversation. Thank you. I think it comes back, Naveen, to when this first came up between you. You mentioned hazardous situation, and I think I responded on LinkedIn and say there are two very different classes of hazardous situation. Short duration events, 
longer duration states. And you need to separate them in your mind. You need to separate the way you think about them. You, before we had this conversation today, asked me what standard you use. There is no standard for this because there is nothing. And, and I think Roger's point is very useful because each sector is different. But think about it in this sector. Think about how that impacts on risk. And certainly, as, as Wag said, you know, come back because maybe you can reduce the duration. You can't reduce anything else, but you are reducing the risk. So think it will affect the way you do things. No clear answer yet, though, guys. Uh, I'd love to write it, but I haven't been able to because I can't see it yet. More to come. More to come. Well, more to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I, I hope it's been useful. I hope so too, guys. Let us know. Uh, those who, of you who are listening, uh, use the emoji button to let us know how you are feeling. I would love to uh, understand from you or learn from you your response and your reactions. With that, James, thank you so much for your time. And My pleasure. And, you know, I, I, I personally feel sort of inspired by this conversation because it helps me to think about things differently. I'm so used to thinking about hazards, hazards of situations in my industry in a certain way. But this conversation helps me to think about this in a different way and maybe think about reducing risk with a more creative solution, right? That's what it's all about. Roger, Ravi Khan, Wag, Dr. Kohan, thanks for participating in this conversation. Without your engagement, this is no fun. So guys, it's all about you. It's all about you taking a role in this and um, be open to sharing your insights because all of you have those insights. With that, I want to close by thanking all of you again. We will connect once again next week. And yes, the recording of this conversation will soon be available. Have a good weekend ahead, guys, and talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you.